Welcome into the inaugural edition of the Home Run Throwback Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Morris, uh, from formerly of MCM Radio, a couple of other podcasts I've had throughout the time that I've been podcasting about the Titans. Um, this is the debut episode of the Home Run Throwback Podcast, uh, now exclusively a part of the Broadway Sports Media family. Uh, BroadwaySportsMedia.com, which is launching on July 20th, is going to be a fantastic place for national sports, especially for the Titans, um, as we're about to get started up with training camp and all of that stuff now. Um, but right now, we have a limited-time offer going on there uh, that if you sign up before July 26th, it's $5 a month for life. Um, if you sign up before August 2nd, it's $7 a month for life. After that, it'll be $9.99 a month or you can pay for a full year for $99.99, which comes out to just over $8 a month. So there's going to be a lot of cool stuff going on there. I hope you will check that out. Um, if you've been on Twitter, you've probably seen kind of the rollout deal we've been doing. Um, and so we're really excited to get that going on Monday the 20th. I'm also very excited on this episode to be joined by the voice of the Titans, Mike Keith. Mike, thanks so much for taking the time. How are you tonight? Jimmy, it is a pleasure to be on your inaugural home run throwback podcast. I'm, I'm flattered. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. Um, obviously, you know Mike Keith, like I said, is the voice of the Titans. You can also find him at it's, it's TennesseeTitans.com now, right? It is TennesseeTitans.com. That's a change. Yeah. And, uh, many have said, why would you change? It's like, well, we couldn't get the name for years. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> That's it's weird. And we, we, fought, we fought for years to get everybody to say titansonline.com because we couldn't get tennesseetitans.com, and we finally got it. And so we've there's no other reason from the switch other than we finally got control of the name. Yeah, so they got a lot of cool stuff going on there, uh, like always, and the official Titans podcast um, is rolling on, and I'm assuming we all plan on ramping up a little bit during training camp like y'all have in the past. Hope so. Uh, that's the plan. You know, we, we're trying to figure out what training camp's going to look like. If it, uh, if we do have some normal practice schedule, then yeah, I think that that's going to be the plan. That's uh, been a way that we're able to turn things pretty quickly with that, which is kind of a great thing uh, to be able to, you know, watch a practice and have Jim Wyatt or, or have Dave McGinnis sort of analyze things and give us a different sort of flow and, Amy Wells and I have really enjoyed that part of it. We get to tell the occasional funny story, and uh, we get to talk about some things we want to talk about, and we're doing more things, taking questions. And I, I was really dumbfounded by the reach of the OTP, Jimmy, when we traveled for the playoff games and how many people in different parts of the country keep up with the team with the OTP and feel like they're, as, as Amy Wells like to call them, um, some of the OT people. So uh, that's a that's what we always hope to do with it. Listen, would we like to have a million subscribers? Sure, we would. But that's not, you know, that's not ever how that's going to work because if you don't love the Titans, you're probably not going to subscribe to the OTP. Yeah. So, so we're trying to keep it towards our audience and, and stay there and, um, it's done pretty well. And, and to have Farm Bureau Health Plans as the sponsor now, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of building, and that's been really a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. It's awesome. Um, good stuff. Well, and like you. you said, you get that, that access that y'all have 
um, is really good. Y'all, y'all do a great job keeping it entertaining and all that stuff. Um, and you, obviously, if it's a Titans podcast, you can get that wherever you get your podcast. So if you're not already subscribed to that, go do that. You won't get any better information uh, during oh. camp than, than what they're going to be giving you. All right, so speaking of camp, you know, we, we've gotten news this week that training camp, as of right now, is scheduled to open on time. Um, what, what do you think right now this training camp looks like? That's a great question. Um, I think it's probably going to look like training camp when it's all said and done. I don't think it's going to be as vastly different from the football standpoint, but I think Jimmy, for us to really get to training camp, I don't know that we really get to training camp for a couple weeks. I think when we get started, I think it's going to look like OTAs and mini camps to begin with. I think they're going to try to put that level in, especially to get the younger guys and the new guys up to speed. And then I think we will start to get into more of the 11 on 11. So I think they will use the first part as live install of offense, defense, and special teams, much like May and June normally are. And then I think it will get deeper uh, as we get into August, particularly if we don't have preseason games. I think it will go that way for sure if we don't have preseason games, if the players get what they want. Yeah, and so with that, all that being said, um, do you think the Titans, especially on offense, are at a little bit of an advantage to be, you know, really bringing back the core of what they had last year, bringing back Arthur Smith, so you're not breaking in a new quarterback. You're not breaking in, you know, necessarily new receivers. You got your running back back. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, You got your offensive coordinator back. Do you think that gives the Titans a little bit of an advantage, at least early on, to kind of have all that stuff already in place? A massive advantage. I, I really do, and I think it could be an advantage in the first two weeks of the season when Denver and Jacksonville will both be playing second-year quarterbacks. And we've got, we've got a veteran unit, um, 10 of 11 starters, you know, top three receivers, all three tight ends back. Um, you know, the guy who may start at right tackle has basically been a starter for us for four years and in a variety of roles, talking about Dennis Kelly, uh, how much he's played. I, I mean, let's put it this way. Everyone listening to the Home Run Throwback podcast right now knows who Dennis Kelly is. And how many backup offensive linemen can you say that about? Well, not many, unless it's a guy who's played a ton. And if he doesn't start, it'll be because the Titans' first-round pick starts, because Wilson beats him out. So either way, I think you got a winner there. I think it's. I think if you can take advantage of it, it's a big advantage potentially for the Titans. Yeah, and so speaking of all of that, um, the big news this week was Derrick Henry getting the contract, the, the long-term contract. Um, you know, I think all Titans fans were excited about that. Um, you know, there was the, I guess it was on Tuesday that Adam Schefter had came out and said, it came out and said he didn't think that it was going to happen. And then right. on Wednesday, you know, as we're a couple of hours away from the deadline news that they were, you know, almost there. And then obviously it went through right before uh, the, the, that 3 p.m. deadline. 
Talk about how important you think that deal is for this team and just kind of talk about what you think when you see the structure of that deal. The first thing I think is good for Derrick Henry. And I think a a guy who is deserving of more than a one-year commitment, if possible. Um, Not that the franchise tag was the wrong move. I, I don't think it was the wrong move at all. I thought when they signed Tannehill, I thought they were going to have to franchise Henry because I didn't think they could get both deals done at once. I knew it was going to take until the 11th hour if it happened. I was like Schefter. I didn't think it would happen. And then when it did, I'm happy for him. Uh, If he pushed for it, if Henry pushed for it, I'm really happy for him because that shows that you're smart. Uh, He saw what the market was. He understood that he could take a check to the bank right away. He could have something to count on for multiple years. Uh, If, if it ends up being all four years of the contract, Jimmy, if, if that's what happens, if the numbers have been reported correctly, it's a great deal for the Titans. Because if he's still playing well in year three and year four, he's a bargain at, at those rates. I, I mean, those are those are very economical rates. And and like I said, Derek knows what he's going to get. I love it for the fan base. I like people to be happy. Why not be happy? We, uh, we <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. we don't have enough, we don't have enough to be happy about. Uh, you know, sometimes in life, but there are certain moments where you just say, "Man, this is awesome." You know, and this is just great. And as I saw people out and I saw people on social media and, you know, talked to people on the phone and did radio shows. I mean, people are just like, this is cool. Good for him. Good for the Titans. Nothing wrong with that. Let me take you to the one place that it makes me the happiest, though, the locker room. There is no more respected player in the locker room at this moment than Derrick Henry. I said on the OTP the other day, I don't know that anyone has been more respected in the locker room in his time with the Titans than Derrick Henry, except for Steve McNair. There have been some who've been as respected. Now, McNair's on a different level, but Henry would join a group of probably eight to ten guys that would be right behind him. When, when a locker room sees a guy like that get paid, that makes for a happier locker room. To them, that's justice. That's right. That makes them feel good about the place they come to work every day. That makes them happy for their guy. Uh, all of those things matter to a culture within a locker room. Uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill came out and said, pay Derrick Henry. Taylor Lewan, pay Derrick Henry. They they weren't saying it because they were trying to put pressure on John Robinson or the Titans. They were saying it because they love this guy, they respect this guy, and they're pulling for this guy. He's their guy, and their guy got a contract. And so that, from a credibility standpoint, overall, top to bottom, that's a big deal in a locker room. I think there were a lot of winners in this deal, Jimmy. Yeah, absolutely. That was one of the things that I was thinking about because, you know, there was all this speculation when the Titans tagged Derrick Henry that he was unhappy, but you never heard him say anything. Nope. He came in and signed the thing as, as, almost as quickly as he could. 
Um, you know, there was never any wind of him staying away during whatever. And I mean, we didn't get a regular, you know, off season. So it, it's hard to say exactly what would have happened other than the fact you see, you know, how all of this kind of came together. And I, I think it's pretty safe to say that he would have been there if they would have had OTAs and that type of stuff. Sure. And so that's, that's one of the things that I thought about. I mean, obviously, you know, we know about these, these big running back contracts that have, that have gone south for other teams. But I do think there's something to be said, and I'm glad you said it, for a guy who does everything the right way. You know, like, like you said, he's so respected in that locker room, and you saw him kind of come up into a leadership role during the season last year as the season went along. And for the other guys to see that the team takes care of a guy that does it the right way, I think that is more important than the people that want to argue, well, you, you just absolutely can't ever pay a running back. Well, that's it. And let's let's say this, too. Let's take it a different way. Let's say that Derrick Henry rushes for 1,500 yards again this year. And let's say the Titans win the Super Bowl. Jimmy, how many commercials is Derrick Henry on in the 2021 offseason if he rushes for 1,500 yards again and wins the Super Bowl? Oh, yeah, all of them. <laughs> This is what I'm saying. The guy is a an established name. He's an established star. And he's got a chance. It, it's almost it's almost Tom Brady-esque in terms of that Brady never pushed for massive deals because he knew he was smart enough to realize he could make the money other places. And and his wife was making $45 million. That's probably not the best comparison, but you get it. The point being. Derrick Henry, I think, has a broad thought to all of this. I think he says to himself, you know, $15 million or whatever, that's a lot of money. That's okay. $16 million is more, but I don't need $16 million to be happy if I got fifteen. Because the thing is, too, if things work out, I can probably cash it in other places. I think there is... I think there's a grown-up nature to Derrick Henry. And you said, not complaining about the franchise tag. During a, a worldwide pandemic, complaining about making $10.283 million would have been a PR nightmare. And I think, I think he's PR savvy. I think he's a smart guy. I think he's got his head on straight. And those are two different things. You know, you can be a smart guy and have no common sense. I think that... I think the guy gets it, and it's one of the reasons you want to pay him because it, it's good to have some guys in that locker room that you say, my goodness, this is a really good player, but he's also a human being you can count on because when the chips are down, when, I mean, when you're two and four, you better have some stand-up guys, and I can promise you, no matter how any NFL season goes, something's going to go wrong. And you need people who are stand-up people. This situation, I think, illustrates what a stand-up human being he is and the common sense he has about a lot of things that go towards his character overall. Plus, I love the stiff arm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's, that's going to be fun to watch for at least the next couple of years. All right. Now, you know, one part of that deal was it dropped his cap number from what'd you say, two point or I mean ten point two eight three or whatever it was, million, down to six million for this year. So freed up a little bit of cap space for the Titans. Now, 
you know, the, the fan base has been, you know, going crazy for Jadavion Clowney um, since, I mean, it feels like <laughs> two years now with everything that's gone on. But, right. you know, and, and I, mean, I think John Robinson has, you know, said things that they're monitoring the situation. What if there's a holdup with Jadavion Clowney and him signing with the Titans or anybody else? Is it at this point, do you think, and I mean, I know this is just your opinion, but do you think it's more about money? Is it more about being able to come and take a physical and all that kind of stuff? Is it all of it combined? What is it that's, that's keeping him from agreeing to terms? Because you just, you don't see somebody that is as talented as he is stay on the market for this long, usually. That's true. I think it's all of the above, plus the fact the uncertainty about what the cap situation is going to look like going forward due to the fact that the NFL is not going to make $16 billion this year. You know, that was the projection is the NFL was going to make $16 billion this year. And then out of that, you extrapolate the uh, adjusted gross revenues. And then the, you know, the percentage 47, 48% of that becomes the cap for each team. We don't know, you know, we, we don't know what's coming you know, there's talk that if if it if it all goes south with the fan base and things of that that sort, that five billion dollars in revenue could be lost. And if that's the case, then that pool of money goes down, and then the players' pool of money for the cap goes down next year. So, you everybody, I think, who is sensible at this point, what they're doing is. They're, they're making sure that they are being as sensible as they can, not knowing if, I mean, everybody may agree for the cap number to go down this year. You know, that may be an agreement that, that every team, you know, that the players say, okay, we'll do less here, so hopefully we won't take as big a hit next year. And then maybe we'll extend some of that out. Um, you know, the, Tamara Smith made the comment this week um, that the cap could go down 70 million per team next year. I don't know that I think that's likely, but it's, it certainly is on track to go down unless they do something to kind of move it around into future years. So I think if you're being smart right now, um, you're sort of holding and waiting. Because you just don't know. Here's the other thing, too, Jimmy, and this is a lot of what I've been studying over the last couple of weeks as I read articles about roster makeups and things of this sort. How much money are you going to need to operate this year? Because, you know, normally a team will keep five to ten million dollars in reserve uh, to be able to sign somebody or you know, do whatever they can during the course of a season because of injury. What's that going to look like? You know, what what does the the COVID situation produce in terms of being able to potentially put someone on the commissioner's exempt list? Well, if that's the case, you've still got to bring them up and pay them a full week's salary. You know, so how many times do you have to do that? Do you need to keep 15 million in the till for that? Do you need to keep 20 million in the till? So there's the cap portion of playing for this year. 
And then there's the cap sensibility for 2021 that you're also keeping in mind because you know you can roll extra dollars from this year over to next. I think that's a big factor in all of this. I think it's, I think injuries, I think, you know, everybody wants him to take a physical. I think we, we don't know what he wants either. You know, what is that real number, Jimmy? It was 20 million, right? That's what we heard. (laughs) Yeah. Then, you know, supposedly people have offered him 15 and 17 and, and you know, what's the real number? I don't, I don't know the answer to that. So I think it's a lot more complicated and, Amy Wells and I were talking about it on the last OTP is it is it's like John Robinson has to be the parent in this situation. All of us. And, and I'm including me. I want Jadivian Clowney to play for the Titans. I, that would be great. That would be so much fun. But it's like going through the drive through with your parents. And instead of ordering dinner, you just want to order dessert because that's fun. Mom and dad understand that. But they also say, no, you, you have to eat something first before you can have dessert. John Robinson is having to be that parent right now, even though he, I, I'm sure he wants clowning. But he's got to think about a lot more things than we have to think about just on this, on this front end. It's more complicated, a lot more complicated at this moment than probably what any of us know. And what scares John the most? The unknown. Yeah, absolutely, and, and he's done, a, I mean, just a fantastic job of building this roster, and we'll circle back to him in just a minute before we sure. do. Um, so Jarrell Casey was traded, again, what feels like you know, so long ago, um, and, and you know, kind of the speculation was that that was clearing room for Davion Clowney, but I've heard you on a couple of different places talk about kind of there was more to that move than – just the just the cap space or whatever. I mean, it, it kind of seems like the writing was on the wall for that last year when they when they drafted Jonathan Simmons. Yeah, Jeffrey Simmons, sorry. I knew who you meant. <laughs> uh, 100%. I mean, that was when, when we were sitting there on the General Jackson during the 2019 draft on Titans Radio, we went to break, and I turned to, I think, I think Jonathan Hutton was sitting next to me. I can't remember who was sitting directly next to me. And I said, the clock just started on Jarrell Casey. And it hurt me because he's one of my 10 all-time favorite Titans. But that is the way this works. You know, so you you feel like you've got a player in Jeffrey Simmons who can take Jarrell's spot. And he costs you a lot less money, which opens up the cap space. And it, it almost goes to the San Francisco theory under Bill Walsh. Remember, all those great players in San Francisco, none of them finished with San Francisco. They, they finished somewhere else, and they went other places, and they were productive players over a period of time because Bill Walsh's theory was in order to do the best in those deals that you can, which is sometimes not easy, particularly when someone is taking cap space off your hands, which means there probably aren't a lot of suitors. You have to let them go a year early rather than a year late. So I think Jarrell Casey will play great in Denver. I think he will do super. And outside of week one, I wish him nothing but the best for his future. He, he is a great Titan, one of the all-time greats. 
but this will this will always happen in a situation where you have a good team because John Robinson is not playing checkers, Jimmy. He's playing chess. And that is a chess move to free that cap room because he knows he's got Jeffrey. And that's a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. I would say last year the biggest issue on defense was the pass rush. Um, and, it, you know, as we sit here right now recording this on Sunday night, July 19th, uh, Jadavion Clowney is not on the Titans. So if he does not end up signing here, have the Titans done enough this offseason to address the issue that was the pass rush at times last year? I think they have because I think they basically went Vic Beasley for Cameron Wake. And to me, that's a step up. Uh, I thought Cameron Wake was a great risk. And for the one year, you know, I mean, you took a swing. You know, you didn't cost you the, it wasn't the end of the world. And for what you're spending on Vic Beasley, I mean, it is uh, incredibly reasonable. Now, he has a chance to make a lot of money if he, if he goes through the roof like he did in 2016. But uh, yeah, I think so, because I, I think a couple things there. I think Beasley will thrive in this defense. I think Landry is the real deal. I think Landry is going to be in that, you know, he had nine sacks last year. I think he's going to have a chance to be a double-digit sack guy. I think Roberson has some potential. Correa thrived the second half of last year, particularly in December and January. And then I want to see DeAndre Walker. You know, I want to – I want to take a look at him and see what he's going to bring to the table. Reggie Gilbert's a nice player too. You know, he, he did some good things for the Titans at different points. Uh, Roberson's the one who's got that sort of gift. You know, um, David McGinnis, who works with me, talks about uh, that bicycle lean coming off the edge. Roberson's got something kind of special there. Um, so, I don't think you would be bringing in Clowney to play outside linebacker. I think he would play some outside linebacker, but I think you'd be bringing in Clowney to line up all over the place. So are you good enough at outside linebacker? If that's your question to me, I think you are. Now, could you get something else that, you've got a player who can line up in different places, different ways, like nobody else in the game. Oh my, oh my, because I think you'd see Landry Clowney. And I think you'd see Beasley on the field at the same time, which would be unreal. Um, that's the exciting part of that to me. So I, yeah, I think they're pretty good. Would they be better with Clowney? Yeah. Sure they would. Absolutely they would. What's the ceiling for Jeffrey Simmons? Jeffrey Simmons can be as dominant as really anybody we've probably seen in the time that we're in Tennessee. I think he has the ability to be as, you know, it's funny because you talk about Clowney. Clowney gets this bad rap, too, because everybody's like, well, he, he never has 20 sacks. But that's not really what he does. Clowney's the guy that if he were a basketball player, he'd average, you know, 15 points, 10 rebounds, seven or eight assists. I mean, he's the guy who makes everybody better. 
because you can do so many things with him, and Vrabel knows how to use him. Jeffrey's going to be the same type of player. I think Jeffrey Jeffrey's going to get to the point that he will be the number one facet of the defense to to the to the exact specification of if you don't block Jeffrey, your play is not going to work. The same way, if you don't tackle Derrick Henry, you are not going to stop the Titans' offense because what are they going to do, Jimmy? They're just going to keep handing it to it. They're just going to keep. Jeffrey's going to have a chance to be that way for us on defense because there is so much that he does well. Again, I I go back to one of the great examples of why you draft Jeffrey Simmons. He caused the Kevin Byard interception in the Baltimore game. Look at the play. He comes up the middle, hands up. Lamar Jackson makes a bad throw, and the reason he makes a bad throw is he can't see over Jeffrey. Now, what does Jeffrey get for that, Jimmy? I guess a quarterback pressure, right? Right. And, and everybody's like, oh, quarterback pressures, that just means you didn't get to the quarterback, right? I mean, he didn't. But when you can affect things that way, like Clowney does, when you when you have a chance to make your teammates better, I mean, I hope Bayard bought him a mistake for that because that was a freebie. You know, that, that was a ball. Kevin Bayard's going to make that play every single time when somebody throws it over the middle like that. That's... To me, that's what pressure is all about. Yeah, and I mean, it reminds me of you know those defenses when they had Albert Hainsworth in the middle. Hainsworth, I mean, you know, if, yeah, if you remember those teams, um, you didn't have to do a whole lot of blitzing, you know. And so I, I think that just frees up so many things for the defense if you have that guy making that push from the middle. That's it. And and Hainsworth was such a dominant player physically. That if you didn't, if you didn't block him, if you didn't figure out how to, I mean, he was going to just bash in the offensive line, and it enabled linebackers and you know Tony Brown and Kyle Vandenbosch and other players to make plays. Even though Albert had good numbers his last two years, and listen, he's the most dominant defensive lineman in two thousand seven and two thousand eight. Those are two of the best years you'll see anywhere. I mean, he that was almost like a almost to the point of having the impact of a Reggie White type of player. That's when you look for defensive linemen, you look for those guys who can have that kind of Aaron Donald impact. And that's what Jeffrey has a chance to do because of his gifts. We saw a taste of it. And now he's got to take it to the next level. That's what he has a chance to be because of the gifts. A chance. Now he's got to fulfill that promise. And it may not happen all in 2020 either. What have you seen as far as growth goes from Mike Vrabel since he took over this team, you know, as a first-time head coach to where we sit here about to start the 2020 season? Unbelievable. Unbelievable um, to to see him from year one to year two and to even see him from the first part of year two towards the end of the season. Mike just keeps getting better. He, he keeps understanding the job better. 
he keeps understanding what he's really good at with the staff better. Uh, he doesn't sweat the small stuff. You know, he it's like our production meetings or his radio show or his TV show that he does with me. He improved so much in all of those areas from year one to year two. And you'd say, well, that doesn't make any difference. But what it shows is he gets it. Okay. Some people get it. Some people don't get it. He gets it. He, he gets, he gets his players. He gets the job of being a head coach. He has their respect. Uh, I, I was just super tickled for him in the playoffs because I, I thought he had a chance to show exactly what we were all seeing during the course of the season. And when you're two and four, I mean, you know, nothing looks very good. And he, he continued to work at it. He continued to motivate guys. He continued to, to make them believe in one another. He continued to put power in the hands of the coaching staff, which I think is a great thing. The other thing he does too is when he makes mistakes, he generally doesn't do it a second time. He learns from his mistakes. All first-time head coaches make mistakes, but how quickly do you catch on and not make them again? That, to me, is a strength of his. I, as you can probably tell, I'm really impressed. Yeah, and then along the same lines, um, you know, Amy Adams-Strunk, since she took over, you know, obviously hiring John Robinson, uh, I mean, we know just where the franchise was when – when when Amy Adams Strunk took over, you know when John Robinson came in, the, the state of the roster. Again, talk about the differences that you've seen just in this franchise as a whole since she took over. Because you know, and you remember there when when she first when it was first you know announced that she was going to become the controlling owner, there was all of this you know panic. I guess is a word. Uh, sure. for what was going on here, but she doesn't live here. She doesn't care. I mean, th- there was all that circulating, you know, for the first little bit when she was the owner, but to, to think about all of that, you know, from then and how much everybody loves her now, I mean, it's been really fun to watch from the outside and I'm sure you have a completely different perspective, even just being on the inside. It's really not that different, you know, and it's really, when I hear the fans praise her, what they're praising her about is what I see. And that sounds kind of crazy, but she's, she's very logical. She has great common sense. It's like, uh, well, we don't have this. And she's like, well, then why don't we just go get it? It's like, well, okay, yeah, we could just do that. But let's do that. <laughs> um, she, she hired John Robinson, and there were other good candidates. You know, but she felt like he fit. She has given him a ton of control. He has put things in place where we now have a system. And when we sign guys and when we draft guys, Jimmy, they're not all going to hit. Okay? They're just not. But we have a better chance of having them hit. We'll hit on a higher percentage based on the fact that we now have a system. We know what we want. Our scouts have been trained. Our coaches have been hired. Everyone gets that we have a system. And that's Amy. And we're doing it on the business side. You know, that's, a, that's another thing that we're seeing. We've hired a lot of impressive people. 
you know, we just hired a creative director and served Melendez from the Dolphins. And there were a lot of a lot of really good people wanted that job. I'll tell you this, five years ago, that job, first of all, we don't have that position five years ago because she's added 80 people since she's been the owner. Uh, she felt like we were understaffed, and she's changed that dramatically. But if we'd had that job open five years ago, the pool of people who would have applied wouldn't have been near what applied for that job this spring. Um, we're on the move. Our fans sense we're on the move. We're on the move because of her and because of what she's done and the money she's invested. And you know what? When they promoted her, I probably felt a lot the same way that the fans did because I didn't know her. I think I had met her twice. And, you know, nobody in the organization knew her. But she brought Steve Underwood back, which was huge. And that that showed credibility to everybody within the organization because Steve was very popular and had done so many good things for us. And then it's just continued. Um, it, it feels so great. I'm I'm as excited, if not more excited, about year 23 than I was for year one. And I don't think I don't think I could probably say that when we were going into year 17. Uh, it is a completely different animal right now, and I'm elated to be a, even a small part of it. Yeah, it's it's been so much fun just to watch the rise, and like you said, just the respect that this franchise is getting now that they weren't, you know, four or five years ago, um, with with the, the people that they've added in the front office, and, and when you see different people writing articles, different places about you know, organizations and, you know, how good they are and front offices and all that stuff to see the Titans consistently pop up on that list. It, it's a big change from, from where they were for a, a lot of the time that, that they were here. So that's been, that, that's really fun. And, and, you know, we don't know if it translates to winning football games or not going, going back to the whole Derrick Henry culture conversation. I think it absolutely does, but you know, we'll see where that takes the Titans over time. Um, last thing before we let you get out of here, um, you know, the Titans are kind of one of these popular picks for people to say, you know, who's the team that made the playoffs last year that's going to take a huge step back this year. You see those lists, you know, popping up all over the place. And, and the Titans, it seems like every one of those that I click on, um, you know, the, the Titans are on it. Tell us why that this team is not going to take a step back, that in fact they have the chance to take a step forward. The same reason we're not picked, the same reason we're quote-unquote taking a step back, I'll tell you what, we ain't sexy. You know, that's that's not us. We we don't have Odell Beckham, you know, on the cover of, of Sports Illustrated, and we don't, we don't have a lot of guys who grab headlines from saying crazy things or or being the flashiest. We're not flashy. And that's the reason we don't get the headlines, and that's also the reason we're not going to take a step back. Jimmy, we do what we do. We are who we are. Now, we're not going to run every down. We're, you know, we, that's, that's not what it's about, but it's about being physical. It's about being disciplined. It's our, it's our head coach. It's keeping our staff together. It's keeping our scouting staff together. It's all of the things that aren't sexy. Because what's sexy? It's new. It's flashy. It's different. We're we're going to do more analytics, and we bought a new computer, and we did all you know. We did all, 
No, it's, listen, football is blocking and tackling. And if you know how you want to put together a team that can block and tackle, you can win a championship. That's who we are. That's what we do. People don't look forward to playing us because of how we play. It's like hitting a brick wall when you play the Titans. When we were really good 15, 20 years ago, it was the same thing. And that's how we are once again. Now, it's a little different look. We certainly have a little more offense, and we throw the ball a little better. And, you know, it's it's not exactly the same mode of operation, but it's the same mindset. And we're always going to kind of float into that middle ground because people just aren't going to think of us first. Now, if we sign Clowney, then, then that may change some of that because that's a big-name, sexy pickup. But if we pick him up, it's because we think he fits what we do, not because we think we need a big-name free agent. And that's what goes with us. Um, listen, when I walked into to Baltimore in January, I thought we were winning that ball game. And the one reason I and, – and, and I know, I, I, I'm a positive guy. I get it. I, you know, I, I, Mr. Sunshine, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> But I thought we were winning that ball game because I thought we were going to come off the ball and I thought we were going to hit him in the mouth. I thought we were in that groove to where that's what we had been doing. And I thought that was the only way you were going to beat them. And, and for where they were, having had the week off, I didn't know if they would be ready for that. And sure enough, that's what we did. They gained like 900 yards, right? <laughs> but but it didn't make any difference because play after play after play, we were still coming. Everything against us was hard. Everything. It was no fluke. It was hard. That's, that's who the Tennessee Titans are, that team you saw that night in Baltimore. And I, that's why I think we have a chance to be right back in the middle of it again. Are we the favorite? Should we be the favorite? Probably not. You know, I, I, I get that. But if we're in the middle of it, you know, and, and we can somehow win the division, and that's the most important thing to us right now taking the next step is winning this division and getting a home playoff game or more. Um, then suddenly we change that dynamic a lot. I like us in the middle of any situation because in tournament-type play in any sport, teams like us are never any fun to play. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm just I'm excited to see all of this come together, and there's so much more that that we could get to. Uh, Arthur Smith didn't even touch on him. Uh, just super excited to see what what he how he grows from year one to year two. I mean, there's there's so much stuff around this team to be excited about, and it's 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 a really good time to be a Titans fan. And like you said, there were years where you couldn't really say that, but um, it, it's it's a great time. To, to be here, and it's a great time to, to see what everybody, all these different pieces that we've talked about, have done to, to get the Titans to this point. So and I'm excited. Fans, Go ahead. You know, our, our fans, you know, they waited. They stuck with us. They went through 2-14 and 14 and 3-13. and 13. Our fans deserve this. They've earned this. And I, I hope we put a team on the field this year that's worthy of the support that they've given us, and I believe we will. Uh, because they they have been, you know, I, listen, it, it, it's no fun wearing your Titan shirt around when you go five and 27. You know, wearing your Titans hat, wearing your Titans jacket. 
it's hard to support a team that's five and 27. That's hard, but people didn't give up on us. And when we won those two playoff games, that's all I could think about were those fans and how happy I was that they got to, you know, stick their chest out and say, goodbye, New England, goodbye, Baltimore. You know, um, they deserve those moments. And I hope we're about to give them even more uh, because they, they deserve more moments. Yeah. And it was, it was like, it was so much fun to go to the store and just see everybody in Titans gear. You know, I Absolutely. mean, we remember what it was like when they first came to, to yeah. see that, it, but it, it felt like it had been a long time um, since that happened. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun time to be here. Mike, thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, it means a oh, lot man. to to me that you would do this uh, on the startup thing that we have going. And I'm just, I, I really, I really do appreciate you taking time to do it. It is my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jimmy. Absolutely. So again, that was Mike Keith. You can find him, TennesseeTitans.com, as well as the official Titans podcast, the OTP. You can get that wherever you get your podcasts. So uh, subscribe to that wherever that is. Thanks so much for listening to this first episode of Home Run Throwback. Uh, We're going to have a lot of fun stuff coming your way over the next few months. And again, uh, this is a Broadway sports media podcast, broadwaysportsmedia.com. Um, is the is the new website that we've got going. So much cool stuff on there. Uh, you'll recognize a lot of the names that you'll see there. A ton of uh, just, just great content that you're going to see there. And again, we, we have a sale going on to start out with. If you sign up before July 26th, it's, it's only $5 a month for, for life. Uh, $7 a month if you sign up before August 2nd and then $9.99 a month after that. So check that out. And again, uh, wherever you get your podcast, subscribe to this Home Run Throwback. Rate and review. We appreciate all of that. So for Mike Keith, this is Jimmy Morris saying thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you again later.